right, well, we're beginning a new series today in uh, books of Titus, Philemon, and Jude. And so if you would turn to, in your Bibles to Titus, that's where we're going to begin. And it's called letters, and that's because letters are what these are. These are personal letters that have uh, become canon of Scripture because they were uh, very instructing and uh, they are heartfelt. And we're going to look at those. Before we do, I failed to mention this because my sticker fell off back there. I found it, though. So you'll see several of us wearing these stickers about reconnecting. And today, out in the uh, lobby, as you exit, we'd love to help you get reconnected into the life of a Sunday school class. Uh, and we want to help you get connected uh, to that group of folks. And so if you would stop by there, there'll be some uh, of our Sunday school leaders uh, and they want to help you connect to a group as well, uh, as well as uh, Tammy is there as our uh, connect group uh, leader who, who uh, organizes all that, and she's done an awesome job. And so you uh, go check that out. We want to help you get connected back into a group. Through all this COVID stuff, we've kind of get, some of us have gotten unconnected, and so we want to reconnect you, all right? So if you would do that. I'm afraid this is going to fall off, so I'm just going to go ahead and preemptively get it there. All right, so we're in the book of Titus, and in this series, we're going to be looking at these three letters. And these three letters uh, are letters where uh, the, the authors, one, uh, two of them by Paul and one of them by Jude, they are addressing a group of people about their walk with the Lord. They're addressing people specifically about very vital and important things. And they're written to a very narrowed in either person or group of people. And so we want you to, to see those. They're also shorter, and so that's kind of how we put them all together. But they are not to be uh, dismissed. Just because they're shorter uh, or smaller does not mean that they are small in significance. And so we want to ask ourselves of these uh, letters of this scripture, we want to ask ourselves, what is in there, not only to, to look in and peek in at what Paul was telling Titus or Philemon or what Jude was writing to a, a group of Christians, we don't want to just peer in and see what is happening, but we want to ask the question of, what do I need to see about my own life that needs to be impacted? What do we need to see about my own life that needs to be changed? What do I need the Lord to do and work in me? Paul, in this particular message to Titus, is uh, devoted to the message, the gospel. He, 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 is, he has given his very life, his very breath, his very vitality, literally uh, hours and days and years even in prison, given to the advancement of this message, the advancement of this gospel, the advancement of the story of Jesus and how he can change people's life. It, it means so much to Paul, and the people mean so much to Paul. The people that, that he's entrusted this message to, the people that he's encountered along the way, he, he cares for them so deeply. And we'll see that in a moment as we read the passage of Scripture. He's building up this team, Timothy and Titus and, 
and many others. We see him listing them again and again and again. And they were with him and labored with him and among him. And then he sent them out to all these different places. And he's building up this team to leave everything in the hands of, of their, their care, that they would care for this message as much as he does, that they, would, that they would live and breathe it like he does, and that they would take it to the rest of the world like he did. And he's leaving it to their care. He's leaving a legacy. He's leaving a legacy. And so I need to ask us, <clears throat> are we leaving a legacy of faith? Are we leaving a legacy? Are we doing things now that will intentionally <clears throat> leave a legacy once we're gone? That's something to think about. That's something to consider. To truly pause and think on it. Not just, did you go to church your whole life? Not just, did you read the Bible when you should have? And did you, you know, uh, keep away from all the things you're supposed to keep? You didn't drink, you didn't smoke, you didn't cuss, you didn't all those things. That, that's not what I'm asking. Are you living in a way now, are we living in a way now that is intentionally imparting our faith, infusing our faith, injecting our love for the Lord and the message of this gospel and the story of Jesus into people that will be able to carry it on once we're gone? That's a different kind of question. But it's one that we need to hear. Do we have a faith? Do we even have a faith to leave? Is there someone we're investing in? And this is not just a message about investing into your, 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 your children. We certainly want to do that. But are you investing into others? Are you making a kingdom impact? Uh, this week, an article came out about the state of the Bible. I think it's, it's appropriate that we, we remind ourselves the need of getting the Bible into people's hands as we've done today, and thank you for being here and helping us do that. But in this study, that literally came out this week, and, and I read an article about it this week, over half of self-identified Christians in the U.S. don't actively practice their faith, according to this study. The state of the Bible, you can look it up, and I'll share it with you uh, on our social media and through email this week because I, I think it's important that we think about this. Over half of self-identified Christians in the U.S. don't actively practice their faith. The American Bible Society said in its latest release from the 2021 State of the Bible. This is what they said. This is what the study said. Across all traditions, the church needs to recognize that there are a growing number of people who call themselves Christians but don't actually know how to interact with the Bible or live a life dedicated to Christ. What daunting words. What a daunting assessment. What a daunting understanding of where we are as a society and as, as Christians. ABS, ABS Director of Ministry Intelligence, John F. Uh, Plake said in releasing the findings, so he stated that. 
He also says, the data shows us a real opportunity to step into that gap to actively encourage and disciple believers to engage with God's Word. Only 42% of evangelicals, 31% of historically black Protestants, 28% of mainline Protestants, and 22% of Catholics qualified as practicing Christians in the study conducted in January. Listen to how they define a practicing Christian. Even that is daunting. The study defines practicing Christians as those who meet three criteria of identifying as a Christian. So this is the bare minimum. They attend a religious service at least monthly and strongly agreeing that faith is important in their lives. So they just go once a month. So that, that's a pretty broad understanding of what they're uh, considering Christians. Among those who fit the description of practicing Christians, ABS found that two-thirds regularly engage with the Bible, thereby connecting to God and finding wisdom and comfort. So we have a problem in our world that we aren't passing on our faith. We aren't leaving a legacy. And, and I'm just looking at the church broadly. I'm not trying to pinpoint you or I. I'm certain I need to do better, and I'm certain we could do better. But I'm saying, as a whole, the Christian church is not doing a great job of passing on a legacy of faith. So Paul knew that he must pass this on or it, uh, or it would die out. And so he passed it on so it wouldn't die out. Let's look at his passion as he writes to Titus and make sure he, uh, to make sure that Titus carries the torch once he's gone. Would you join me? If you're able, it's a short passage here. It's just Titus chapter 1. If you're able physically and you'd like to stand, would you stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word? Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, in the hope of eternal life that God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. In his own time, he has revealed his word in the preaching with which I was entrusted by the command of God our Savior, to Titus, my true son in our common faith, pray grace and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Savior. The reason I left you in Crete was to set right what was left undone, and as I directed you, to appoint elders in every town. An elder must be blameless, the husband of one wife with faithful children who are not accused of wildness or rebellion. As an overseer of God's household, he must be blameless, not arrogant, not hot-tempered, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, not, a greed, not greedy for money, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, righteous, holy, self-control, holding to the faithful message as taught, so that he will be able to both in, to encourage with sound teaching and to refute those who contradict it. For there are many rebellious people full of empty talk and deception, especially those from the circumcision party. It is necessary to silence them. They are ruining entire households by teaching what they shouldn't in order to get money dishonestly. One of their very own prophets said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. true. For this reason, rebuke them sharply so that they may be sound in the faith. It may not pay attention to the Jewish myths 
and the commands of people who reject the truth. To the pure, everything is pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. In fact, both their mind and conscience are defiled. They claim to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. You may be seated. I think we see three things of our own life that need to be true here from the example that Paul mentions with Titus. Number one, we need, uh, we need someone to whom we can pass on a legacy. You see, you can see and hear Paul's passion in these first words. Listen to what he says again. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness in hope of eternal life that God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. In his own time, he revealed his word in the preaching which I was entrusted by the command of God our Savior. So he's saying, all the things I've devoted my life to, everything that I've given myself for, this is it. This is, what my, this is my uh, life's breath. This is what I do. This is what I have done. This is the thing that I am fully and, and greatly devoted to. So number one, we need, we, 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 and then he, then he passes it on to Titus. He's saying, everything that I've done, I'm passing to you, Titus. Everything that I've committed to and you've walked with me in, everything that we've done together, I leave it to you. I, I give it to you. I want to pass it on. And, and Paul knows as he's leaving it in good hands. But the question is, is do we, number one, have the passion and zeal that Paul had for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are we dumbfounded by it? Are we awestruck by it? That Jesus would die on the cross, that he would love us, that he would give us a way for redemption, that we could have eternal life in him, and that we could have the things that he revealed in his word before time, uh, in his own time, and that he promised to us before time began. These uh, amazing truths. Number one, do we hold so strongly to that as Paul did? Do we have a diehard, devoted faith in Jesus Christ? And if we do, are we intentionally leaving it for someone else? Are we passing it on? I'm thankful for ministries like the Gideon's ministry who are devoting their lives passing on the word of God and I pray that God would raise up more to join the ranks because we desperately need to leave a legacy of faith in our day we desperately need to be devoted to Jesus' word and truth and we desperately need to pass it on to our own children yes to the next generation of Christians? Yes, certainly. Certainly. Because I'll tell you, the world is very intentional about capturing the minds of the next generation. Will we be willing to go to the same degrees? The thing is, is we won't have a faith to pass on if we won't pass it on. Does that make sense? There won't be a faith to pass on if we won't pass it on. If we don't do it, who will? If I don't do it, who will? If you don't do it, who will? You and I are meant to leave a legacy of our faith. You've devoted your, some of us 
have devoted our entire lives to that. How bad would it be that our life ends and it doesn't continue on? And so we need to be intentional about that. In verses 1 through 3, Paul had given his very life for this. In, in verses 4 through 5, Paul instructs Titus that he is to prepare elders to do this too. So he's saying, not only am I passing this on to you, Titus, but I need you to go and appoint other people to pass it on to. There's got to be this multiplying thing. We've got to pass on our faith. The biblical word for this is discipleship, right? To be make disciples. And that's not just the, the preacher's job. It's not just the connect group leader job and the, 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 the Sunday school teacher's job. That's each and every one of us's job. As followers of Christ, we are to pass on our faith. The second thing we see is we must pass on a legacy of service. It was Titus's job, according to Paul, to go and find others that would serve the mission with him, that would, uh, that would hold on to this message, this gospel message, holding on, verse, verse 9, holding on to the faithful message as taught so that he'll be able to both encourage with sound teaching and to refute those who contradict it. So it's their job, it's Titus's job to find others to serve in the mission, uh, who would give themselves to serve the church body in such a way. And Paul lays out what, what, what a person who serves the church should be like. He says that uh, particularly these elders should be blameless. Blameless. That they shouldn't be arrogant or hot-tempered or an excessive drinker or a bully or greedy for money, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, righteous, holy, Self-control. You see, we replicate, we replicate the message, but we replicate the service. We, we, we need to pass on a, 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 a legacy that we won't just say with our mouth, but that we would live our lives accomplishing these things. That we would have blameless reputations, that we would uh, People can look at our lives and say, he really lives what he believes. She really lives what they believe. And that we could walk in this world in service to others, service to the body of Christ and service to others that we share the gospel with. To experience the grace of Jesus and salvation is to understand that because Jesus laid down his life, we lay down our lives and serve. That's the message. That's the message that Paul passed on. Jesus gave it all. And as a recipient of his grace, that we ought to as well. Lay down our lives to serve him and to pass on a legacy of service. Some have passed on this mentality that we are to be something other than that and that has hurt the advancement of the gospel message. There have been church leaders in our day and in, 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 in even recent times that are living a life opposed to these truths laid out here. They're not elders that are blameless and gentle 
and uh, lowly and kind and not greedy for money. Unfortunately, we've had church leaders in our world who've done opposite of this. No wonder our world's in the shape it's in if the the very church leaders uh, misuse the authority that they have to advance their own agenda rather than the agenda of Jesus Christ. But Jesus came to serve. Jesus came to die. Jesus gave his life. Shouldn't we? Shouldn't that be what we do? And if we do, the gospel message will advance. The third thing that we see is that we must pass on a legacy of standing firm. Titus, uh, Titus's particular situation was that he was dealing with, uh, uh, my translation called it the circumcision party, but in other, other translations they call it, they're called Judaizers. And what it was, they were, they were Jewish people who had believed in Jesus as the Messiah, but they wanted to, uh, they thought that they should keep all the Jewish traditions and the particular thing that they really fought over was, was circumcision and, and that if, if all these Gentile Christians were becoming believers in, in God and in Jesus and converting, then they needed to do what we had to do when we were just Jews without the Messiah here. And so they, they came up with these crazy, uh, unrealistic rules that they were heaping on everyone. Well, Titus was a, Jew, uh, was a Gentile. He was a Greek. And, and we even know that he... He chose not to be circumcised, and we see that in, in Colossians and, and, uh, or Galatians. And, and we, we, so we know that uh, Titus was equipped to go and say, as, as a leader, equipped by uh, uh, Paul, uh, the Pharisee of Pharisees that became a Christian, who was equipped by him to, to come up and combat these guys and say, no, that is not the truth, and that is not what you're going to heap on these followers and these believers, you're not going to tell them that they have to do, have Jesus plus something. Jesus plus nothing is what we need. We, we need Jesus and Jesus alone. We don't want to add anything to that that's in our own strength and of our own mentality. And so Titus was perfect for that. He's perfect for the job. Titus was dealing with these Judaizers, uh, and, and he was helping them to have... Uh, helping the people that he was in, in the care of to have more dependence on Jesus than what these people were saying, spreading these lies that they could depend upon their own strength and their own religious pursuit in vain attempts to be good enough on their own. Notice in verse 9 he says, holding to the faithful message as taught so that he will be able to encourage with sound teaching and refute those who contradict it. So it's important that uh, in truth we encourage, but we also lift up the truth and say, no, that's not what we need to do. And it's not one or the other. Oftentimes we say, we, all we want to do is refute. Oh, well, you, you got to live this way. You got to live that way. That's what the Judaizers were doing. That was this uh, legalistic, uh, self-absorbed way of approaching religion and, and what we what they understand is that they need to depend upon Jesus and Jesus alone. Paul continues to remind Titus to stand against all these things that they were pushing forward. Look at what Paul says. He says, For there are many rebellious people full of empty talk and deception. So, so they, they are deceiving people. 
It's necessary to silence them, he says. So you've got to stand firm to silence them. They are ruining entire households by teaching what they shouldn't in order to get money dishonestly. So he goes on and talk about all the things that they had done wrong. And then in verse 16, he, he offers a sharp rebuke. And he says, they claim to know God, but they deny him by their works. They're detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. So you see, we, we are, like Titus, we are combating, we're combating thoughts and ideas pervasive in our society. Pervasive even in the Christian world still that says, well, you got to do this, this, and this, and this to earn God's love. When what we really must understand is that there is nothing we can do without Christ. And we throw ourselves upon the mercy of Jesus and the grace of Jesus and His ability to accomplish our righteousness and make us all the things blameless and faithful and Self-control that the Lord would give us His Spirit and make us have all those things. What we see is that we have to have a faith to pass on. We must know the truth on which we stand. We need to pass on a legacy. But we must be honest with ourselves and make sure that we have a faith of our own to begin with. That we have a dependence upon Jesus. That we would pass on with the, with the passion that Paul exudes. That we would have this faith ourselves like Paul described in the beginning of the letter I've devoted myself to this it's everything to me and that when we have that we intentionally build it into other people how do we do that it's really it's really not that hard we just care about people and we get around people. And we get around one another. And we tell them the truth. We encourage them with sound teaching. And we show them that they need Jesus. And we live it out in front of them by serving Him with our lives. It does take intentionality, but it is not difficult. It's just that we have to stop, think, and do. If we expect to have a faith just by going out tomorrow, waking up, getting ready, going to work, and we have not devoted ourselves to our relationship with the Lord, then tomorrow will pass on, and the next day will, and the next day will, and we'll be three weeks into it and be like, wait a second. What am I doing to pass this on? It's like 
me trying to uh, lose weight, but I don't change anything about how I eat. And I get on the scales and I'm like, where did that come from? How did that happen? But tomorrow I'll start and say, you know what? I'm going to eat this. I'm going to plan it out. I'm going to do some exercise. A few weeks from now, I'll get on the scales and uh, it'll be a much different story. You know that. That's how our lives work, right? That's how our faith should work. Intentional. Spending time in the Word. Spending time here with one another. Getting a part, to be a part of a connect group and getting in relationship with others so that we can spur one another on to good works and faithfulness to the Lord. And pass it on. Leave a legacy. Pass on our faith to each other. And God willing to, to more. The people we come in contact with every day. But we must make a conscious effort to do that. And I pray that we wouldn't be a part of this statistic. That we would truly be devoted to the Lord. So what do we do? How do we respond? I need to respond. I don't know about you. But I need to respond. And I need to say, Lord, help me to be like Paul, astounded by the message of the gospel of what you did. And help me to build in intentionality in my own life so that I can pass on to my kids, so that I can pass it on to those who's placed in my care as pastor, so I can find others to spread it to teach truth I need to do that and I bet we probably all need to do it a little bit more so my encouragement to you is in this moment of response this time of response that you ponder that you think about that and say Lord help me help me to do that in my own life if you're here today and don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior I'd love to share with you how you can follow him and know him and love him and be astounded by what he accomplished on the cross. I'd love to share that with you. You can come. I'd love to pray with you in just a moment. You can text ALIVE to 423-455-9458 if you're at home or even here and you'd like to do that. I'd love to share with you that way as well. Would you stand? We're going to pray and our team's going to come and lead us in one song and pray that God would work in our hearts and lives. Lord, we thank you for what you've done in our lives, Lord, the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel. May it penetrate our hearts, Lord. May it change us. May it make us like Paul. And Lord, may we find ways to pass it on, to possess it ourselves, but to pass it on as well. Would you work in our hearts and lives today, Lord, would you speak to us today, God, would you move in, this, in the midst of all these folks today, it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. We have a great God, let's worship.